there's this huge black tree here standing in a garden um, and it hasn't got any leaves yet I, I guess it's because of its size it takes a, a while for the let's say the spring juices to reach the extremities of the tree but it is surrounded by tiny little daffodils these little yellow daffodils and it, it, it looks almost like something from a fairy tale there's this, there's this big imposing tree and then these small vulnerable daffodils waking up the tree telling it hey springtime <laughs> get ready I cannot wait until all these trees here in my neighborhood will be green again and you do see that a lot of them are already starting to I don't know just pop out a little bit they've got all these tiny little bulbs at the extremities but I think it will take probably another week or so or maybe even longer until the first leaves start to appear and of course let's not forget that these trees have had quite a bit of a setback last week when after two weeks of beautiful weather where literally it felt like summertime I was walking around without a coat it was wonderful wonderful springtime weather in in March (laughs) all of a sudden last week the weather completely changed temperature started to drop below zero so below freezing point in um, in the during the night and we had a pack of snow for two days we everything was white I was like what did we just go back in time <laughs> three months it was really wild and I think that uh, nature also immediately reacts by that like they were it's like you waking up and it's like oh I gotta get to work and then you look at your clock and you you realize well wait a minute no <laughs> I only have to get up in one hour, so you go back to sleep. (laughs) I think that may have happened with nature as well. It started to to get ready. The daffodils were already in bloom, or were already um, uh, out of the ground. (laughs) How do you say that with flowers? I don't know. And... uh, but most of the trees were like, nope, 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 nope. Let's wait a little bit more, a little bit longer. But it's a matter of time. I'm I'm very grateful that we at least got some some rain again because uh, with all that those high temperatures and sunshine, of course it was really nice. But normally around this time of the year we have a lot more rain and we need it for all you know <laughs> everything that grows. So as you may be able to tell by the sound of the cars passing me by um, it has rained the streets are wet and that's a good thing and we will get much more rain later today that is actually one of the reasons that I'm out right now pretty early in the morning because I figured if I (laughs) if I record this um, after lunchtime then I will get drenched. It will be so unpleasant. And unfortunately, today I'm not in the zoo. Otherwise, I could uh, take shelter in one of the domes. If you've listened to the previous episode, you may remember those uh, covered areas. That was a lot of fun. I had so much fun recording that there. And it's definitely not going to be the last time. Only downside is that that zoo 
is about an hour and 20 minutes on a bike ride. And it's not just a simple bike ride that is, you know, flat all the way. This is the more hilly part of the Netherlands. And so um, the actual bike ride to the to the uh, to the zoo is uh has some very very steep um uh, not mountains but hills so, um, there was one hill that was eight percent and you really feel that in your legs especially if you've you're on the way back and you have to climb those those hills i am getting better at it but it's still not my favorite activity so um uh unfortunately for for today i didn't want to ride my bike all the way to the zoo <laughs> and i just don't have time for that there is a lot of other stuff that i uh, that i need to do not to mention that there is this little detail of it being my birthday today now that happens every year for for some reason or another um but one of the things i need to do oh listen to those birds that's gorgeous Oh, I love that. That's neat. I wish I knew all the bird songs. I need to study that a little bit more because there are, of course, tons of birds here in this area, in the woods and uh, in the fields. Um, but tonight I'm getting guests. Father Henry's coming over. Michaela's coming over. So I'm going to cook. Um, and I need to prepare that as well. And then... This is just a regular day, so I've got my work. <laughs> Finishing the uh, editing of the of the documentary, the second documentary from Scotland. So I've got the files now, and I need to do the audio, uh, the mixing. That'll take a few days, and then I may have to make some changes to the voiceovers just to make it, you know, flow properly. I got to do the end credits with the names of the patrons that made it possible for me to do this work, etc., etc. So I've got my hands full, and that's why I'm just taking you for a walk here in these woods. And uh, it's, it's kind of hard to believe that I arrived here in this area of the country exactly one year ago. On April the 1st, which is four days ago, I was... I. Uh, that's where I <laughs> I arrived. I put my uh, my bags on the in the in the attic of Father Henry's uh, rectory. Uh, a v- tiny little room in the attic with uh, just a bed and a very wonky, wobbly desk that actually a few days later would collapse. May have been actually on my birthday. <laughs> I remember I was. Uh, uh, I was moving it. Hey, good morning. Hey. <laughs> Always greeted enthusiastically by the the animals here in the woods. Um, so I was, I was trying to move the desk so I could use it for... I was very optimistic at the time. I was thinking, you know what? I'm going to stream video here. Um, I didn't know at the time that the Wi-Fi was terrible at the rectory, especially in the attic. And so I tried to move the desk to put it in a better position so you wouldn't see the bed in the background and <laughs> my pajamas and everything. And then the entire desk just collapsed and it was uh, irreparable. Turns out it was standing in that corner for a reason 
because that was the only way, the walls, the two walls were the only thing that kept that very old, I don't know, third-hand desk uh, uh, standing. And so anyway, it's just crazy. All my other stuff, my equipment, my cameras, my lights, my microphones, the roadcaster, all of that, they're all packed in, in, in boxes that were uh, uh, piled up in the, um, the gathering uh, space of the, um, of the church where I currently live next door to. And uh, because of COVID, they weren't using it. So thankfully, I had uh, room there to store my stuff. Otherwise, I would have uh, needed to, uh, to pay a company to store all that stuff. And so I could access it, at least part of the stuff. And I remember very often I would just go there by bike and try to find that one box that contained that one little thing that I needed for my work. Oh, man. And then on the day of my birthday, I had just been at the rectory for about three days, I think. Um, in the morning, Father Henry is already there, Eric is there, and they tell me, don't go into the living room. <laughs> and so turns out that they had decorated the living room with uh, flags and stuff and balloons. And uh, they, they bought a cake. <laughs> so... I got my birthday party at the rectory, and I have to give it to uh, to Father Henry. He's very good at that sort of stuff. Um, in many ways, I think he uh, enjoys birthdays more than the people that uh, that celebrate their birthday, because he really likes to to uh, make people feel at home, feel welcome, and that's definitely what happened that day. Uh, so I felt really spoiled. <laughs> after moving there and then to have that kind of uh, celebration of of just a, another birthday. Um, and I think that morning it was snowing. I think I took a selfie of myself and there was some wet snow. It was nothing like the, you know, the big pack of snow that we had last week. But still, it was, it's usually around this time still uh, pretty cold in the Netherlands. And... Uh, uh, and I remember it being super cold in the attic there because there is no central heating, at least not in that part of the attic. And so Father Henry gave me this um, electrical heater, which I turned on during the night just so my toes wouldn't freeze off. <laughs> but it was it was really cold. That, that is a very old building. It was rebuilt right after Second World War. Uh, because they, they during a bombardment, I think the the tower of the church um, was destroyed, and part of the, f- the like the front part of the church, and 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 also the rectory, I think was was beyond repair, and so they rebuilt the rectory around that time. So it is almost a hundred years old now, and of course not insulated. Um, single glass everywhere in the house. <laughs> it is, it is, a, it's a disaster from an energy point of view. Especially now, of course, with these gas prices just going up and up and up. Um, and electricity, I think, and gas are connected price-wise. So, yeah, probably something will need to happen 
uh, if the situation doesn't change anytime soon, because otherwise it's going to cost a fortune to just keep the temperature bearable. But I, back then there was, of course, no, no threat of war or anything. Uh, but I remember the cold for, for a few months. It took until the end of May until it started to become bearable uh, uh, temperature-wise in the attic. I'm walking across this. This is one of my favorite parts of the woods. It's actually an open space. And uh, there are a few trees and it's low bushes here. Um, but it's mostly empty and you get a lot of these autumn colors and every every season this has a different color right now it's mostly kind of almost this purplish brown and then you've got a few of these birch trees that are very contrasty um looks gorgeous and then of course we got some more uh canine friends here that pass me by they look very tired they probably have already had their a long walk with their owner so they're not jumping up, uh, wanting to play with me. So and this is also part of the woods where we often run on Tuesday evenings uh, for training. And thankfully, because of the change to daylight saving time, uh, it's a, a much lighter during our training. We used to train in pitch dark circumstances. I had to wear this uh, kind of this harness with the. Uh, LED lights in the front, white lights in the front and red ones in the back. And uh, just so you don't get run over by cars or bikes. Um, But uh, last Tuesday, for the first time, um, the sun hadn't set yet, at least for part of the training. And so we were running around here. Because, of of course, here, another advantage of running here is that you've got, well, you've got no traffic and um, you've got hills. And a lot of the training is uh, is about acceleration. It's about alternating, um, just s- relatively slow running with very intense uphill running, because that apparently just trains your heart and it does all all sorts of good things with your muscles. I don't know how it works <laughs> from a, a physiological point of view, but it does work, and I do get faster thanks to all that training. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad that uh, I can skip tonight's training because it's gonna it's gonna be pouring down from the skies as far as I've seen on the uh, the weather forecast. And if there's one thing I truly hate, it's running when it is cold and when it's raining. Um, <laughs> walking, that's fine because I've got my umbrella here under my arm, and uh, there is a slight drizzle, but it's it's nothing too bad. But if the rain intensifies, I can always use an umbrella. You can't do that while running. Uh, so the, uh, the, 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 the reason that I was staying at Father Henry's rectory was that we were working on the, the house here in Benicom, where I live, which was uh, being renovated. And that project, as you know, took uh, way longer than anyone anticipated, even the people that worked on it. They never thought that they'd be working on this for more than half a year. But it's finally done. I live there. It's still... Um, we still need to do, to, uh, to, to do some stuff, especially when it comes to insulation, because uh, these, this past week it was extremely cold. I could, just couldn't heat up the house. 
especially the corridors. So I can uh, I work in a very small room, so that gets warm over time, if, if only by the computer that is just working as a an extra heater or a source of heat. Uh, but uh, the uh, the rest of the house is is cold, and it's even more cold because they are they have demolished um, that same space where all my stuff was stored in boxes for months. Um, they've started to tear it down because they're going to build a, an extension, and uh, so that means that that part of the house that neighbors that. Uh, <laughs> that that hall uh, or that coffee room um, is now exposed to just the outside temperature, and it's very thin. We, of course, it's not a brick wall. We we just closed it with uh, a temporary, well, something simple. It's it's mostly insulated uh, for noise, but not against the cold. So I've noticed that that is making it a lot colder. Than uh, even during the winter, but I, I keep trusting that this is only for a, for a few more weeks, maybe, um, because eventually it will get warmer, uh, and then they will start to build that new extension for the for the parish for, of, of that parish building. Um, another downside of that process, by the way, is that it's making a lot of noise. So yesterday I was sitting down ready to record uh, my podcasts and then uh, you hear that <laughs> that metal saw and then they were using this big sledgehammer to uh, tear down a wall and that went on until until dinner time. So I just gave up. I was like okay, I'll let me just do some more show prep show prep so preparation for the for the shows, I'll just do some work that doesn't require me sitting behind a microphone, <laughs> and uh, I may have the same problem later today when I'm going to record my studio shows, yeah, because usually in the afternoon that's when they start tearing things down. But it, it, all in all, if I look back on this this year behind me on my birthday, I think that. It was mostly uh, a massive gain. Uh, it was hard because it, uh, it it required me to to basically change everything, um, especially when it comes to work. I had to kind of figure out ways to. Um, oh, this is where we are. This is another field where we often run. Huh. I never. I'm still discovering these woods. So this is another open space. We call this the thousand. What is it? The Thousand Clover Field or something like that. There's this uh, um, exotic plant that I think is originally from Japan, and but it has invaded the Netherlands and it is growing extremely fast. The roots go very deep into the ground, and it starts to suffocate all the other plants. And this field was was kind of known for that problem. And with volunteers, I think for for months they've been uh, tearing out those plants and trying to eradicate it. There's this big pile there at the end of the field where you see the remains of those plants. Uh, and so we, we called it, we named it after uh, after that plant. It's just an informal name, but for, with our running group, sometimes people are late, so we tell them where we are going to have our training. And 
well, this officially has no name, so we gave it a name. Um, so the, 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 what I think ultimately, in the end, was the beginning of this year, even though uh, it, 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 required, it, it was tricky to keep working, was the, um, the creativity and, and just finding these workarounds. That was fun, actually, to, uh, to figure out ways in which I could continue to do the, the work that I needed to do, but without having the, everything in place. Hey, Morgen. And uh, the, I'm surprised, actually, at how much I was able to get done despite the very primitive circumstances. I, I am super happy that I had my computer, so I could work on the PC, I had a monitor, and for most of my editing work for TV, um, I didn't really need uh, an internet connection. So I could just uh, uh, do a lot of the editing in the attic. The only problem was then to send it to the broadcast corporation uh, over the internet because if the internet is slow then it takes a long time a, a tv show of about 25 minutes is it's around 11 gigabytes uh, in size so that's video and audio of course it's high quality video not compressed like uh, if you post it on youtube uh, and that would sometimes take four or five hours so if you're already working against the deadline and you finish this like in the evening then very often I had to start the transfer of the file and set the alarm a few times per night to check if it was still uploading because sometimes with the wonky Wi-Fi um, the connection would break and I would only discover that the next morning when they would already need to have those files so <laughs> I'm actually not sad that that is over. That part of the work was uh, was really uh, really tough. But most of the time, um, I did my work just by going out there and filming. Uh, oftentimes, I would go either alone by bike. So I remember um, going to uh, Nimeg, uh, which is a city um, was quite far from here. And also Arnhem, I filmed a, an episode at the zoo. And I would just go by bike. I would uh, take my cameras and a small tripod. Uh, and I would just take a few hours to get to that place. Film the entire episode, the interviews and everything. Bike home again. And that would be it. But in one day I could actually film um, an entire episode. Which was fun. Um, and... Well, it wasn't always fun because it's a lot of hard work, but it is gratifying to see that how much you can do, even though you're very constrained uh, by the uh, the circumstances. And I think that it's mostly due be, uh, to the fact that I have been always traveling light. Um, some of our community members remem may remember the time that I... Um, that we did this, this trip to Rome and Mountain Batorek is a friend of mine he organized uh, a week where we would spend a couple of days in Rome and also a few days in Assisi 
Uh, wonderful, wonderful week. Beautiful weather. We were so lucky. I think it was in the springtime. And I filmed um, basically what I have, whatever I could film, I would film it. And then later on, uh, when we were back home, I, uh, I turned that into a story um, of, of going on a pilgrimage in Rome and just showing the experience of being in Rome um, through the eyes of a pilgrim. And I was at the time, uh, of course, a pilgrim just like the rest of the group. Um, but I had no cameraman. I didn't have a crew. I didn't have any professional gear. I only had this one. I think I already had the Canon M50 uh, because I've been working with uh, those cameras for a few years now. I think about four years ago I bought one and then I bought another one two years ago, I think. These were relatively cheap cheap cameras compared to the uh, the professional cameras that my fellow cameramen are using. If you hear me a little bit out of breath, it's because, uh, one, I'm going uphill, and two, uh, because of the rain, there are huge puddles of water that I have to uh, avoid. So, um, <laughs> the, normally a camera for television work, uh, if I look at what Hugo uses, he's got a Sony A7S III, and some lenses that would easily amount to five six thousand euros and back then i just didn't have the budget for that so i got myself a camera for i think 800 850 maybe uh, with two lenses and that's what i used and a, a, a cheap like i think 80 bucks tripod and that's what i've been using um, during my trips to Rome and because it's so cheap it's also, also very small and very portable and so um, being used to, to work with very very limited uh, small gear has another runner He's, this guy is running with his dog <laughs> who must like it that is uh, relatively older owner is still so vital uh, do you say, is that a word actually? Vital? Vitality. He's uh, so energetic. Uh, I'm getting a little bit warm now because I'm wearing my winter coat because yesterday was about four or five degrees. So I'm just going to open my coat here because it's, this is a little bit too, too warm. Today, definitely, the temperatures are a lot higher than yesterday. I'm even wearing gloves shouldn't be necessary by now I'm having my Harry Potter scarf <laughs> it's all a bit much but so one of the one of the it was just necessity that I was using you know cheap on the run uh, gear I would also economize on the tickets the, the the airline tickets by just having carry-on luggage no matter where I went and so the luggage uh, especially if you fly with a, a discounter, um, is it, it, you only have this tiny little bag that needs to fit underneath the seat of the person in front of you in, on the airplane. Um, well, if you've ever been on an airplane, you know how tiny that is. That's basically how uh, what needed to both have my my gear, my equipment, and my clothes. Um, plus a Kindle, so I could read, or sometimes I would use uh, uh, just my phone for for uh, 
for reading and entertainment. But uh, so being used to, it became a sport to just work within the confines, the very limited confines of uh, what I could afford. And last year, that actually became a huge uh, benefit for the type of work that I do because I didn't have to hire a crew. Oftentimes during COVID, it wasn't possible to to even work with multiple people because especially if you're filming, well, you know, like the sound guy needs to be close to the camera and the interviewer needs to be close to the per- person that you're interviewing. And oftentimes you, you just couldn't do that. It wasn't safe. So then having this format where I basically just do a, a type of vlogging uh, a little bit more with a bit more care maybe than a lot of the vloggers that you see on, on the internet, I was still able to uh, to tell stories, which which was fun. And that's also something that I can take with me in this new year um, for the international productions. And so uh, in, what is it, in May, I'll be traveling to Rome for the, the canonization of uh, a great example for me. It's uh, uh, now still blessed Father uh, Titus Bransma, who was a Carmelite priest who uh, was also a journalist. He worked in the media. He was a writer. Uh, um, and, and even, I would say, by today's standards, an entrepreneur. He was very much into organizing events. And uh, um, so there's this uh, place of pilgrimage in Dockham, in this, in the, uh, up north of the country. Um, and there is this old shrine dedicated to a, a saint from the early Middle Ages who evangelized the Netherlands. And he, uh, he revitalized that entire place. So it was a very talented guy, but uh, he was captured ultimately by the Nazis and died in a concentration camp. And the fact that Pope Francis is uh, canonizing him, I think, is a huge... Uh, it's, it's, it's a sign of how much the Catholic Church values journalism and standing up for the truth. And, well, we've all seen what happens in, in Ukraine and the, the amount of disinformation and propaganda that is distorting the truth, trying to hide what is truly happening there. Um, journalists that are threatened, even killed by soldiers... Uh, against, of course, all international conventions. It's this this pursuit of the truth, regardless of the consequences, um, that that ultimately cost Titus Bransma his life. And to have him, not just as, as an example, but also as, you could say, a protector in a certain way, someone who is praying for today's journalists, is very, very powerful. So... Um, from the moment his canonization was announced, I knew that I wanted to be there uh, when he was canonized. So I'll be in Rome for a week. And um, and I can use, well, the same techniques that I've used, always used, um, and, and just roam around the city with uh, with a small camera and a tripod and, and, and tell that story when I'm back. And then right after that, I'll be traveling to the U.S., for a a convention and also for some talks. Um, So we're still working on that. Ah, I'm literally out of the woods here, at least 
I've left the path, the muddy path, and I'm now walking on a concrete bike lane that goes through the woods. This is, uh, it's wonderful. <laughs> if you are on a bike, you don't want to have to navigate over the, uh, the muddy paths, um, but you can still go straight through the woods using this concrete, these concrete bike lanes. Uh, so I'll just follow this. I don't know where it goes, but we'll, we'll discover that. So anyways, I'm, I'm, uh, that's one of the things that I've learned in this past year um, is just working with what you have. And I've, I've discovered that that, that that doesn't really hamper creativity. On the contrary, it actually helps you to be more creative, more inventive. And I would say that a lot of the, especially the interviews that I did, because I was, it was just me, there was no one else. There wasn't a crew that sometimes can be very intimidating or like setting up lights and all that. There was usually no time and I didn't just simply didn't have the equipment. It put people at ease and it made them feel as if they were just talking to me. And I think that has really benefited the type of conversations that I was able to have with these people. And so I think I'm just going to continue in that way. And uh the definitely what i'm going to do in rome will be storytelling from my perspective um i hope to i hope to take my viewers with me uh during that week so i'll be there from wednesday to wednesday basically and then with the united states i'll try to um up it even more because i'm going to be there for about 2 weeks and i'm sure that we will have a lot of stories to to tell and i love to be in a different culture, different situation, um, and, to, and to bring you along. So stay tuned for that. Um, I have some more thoughts about this past year and the things that I've learned, also more personal uh, reflections that I will share with those of you that are um, supporting me through Patreon. Because as you know, every, uh, every week I also walk an extra mile for uh, for the community, for the Patreon community. And if you are a patron, you will get that uh, extra podcast every week in conjunction with this one that is uh, that you're listening to right now. So if you want to help me out uh, this year and, and help me, well, you know that I work <laughs> very, with very modest means, but uh, still... Uh, this this media work is my only source of income. So if you want to help me with that and help me continue this, um, I hope that you too can join that Patreon community. Uh, take a look at patreon.com slash fatherroderick. So thanks for listening. And uh, for my patrons, see you in a minute during the extra mile. Take care and God bless. <laughs>